Hump Day, Oregon. I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffBeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. It's Wednesday, so this is an archive show, but it last aired two to ten years ago, so unless you're a hardcore, long-time listener, it's probably new to you. Thanks for downloading, and I hope you enjoy it. This story was first published on January 13th of 2013 under the headline, Gun-Toting Oregon Wildcat Was America's First Shock Jock. Here we go. The first radio broadcaster ever to be sent to do prison time for cursing on the air was a hard-charging early shock jock known as the Oregon Wildcat who kept the city of Portland and surrounding regions glued to their radio sets every evening for most of the first half of 1930. Robert Gordon Duncan was his name, and he broadcast his scandalous but highly entertaining tirades every single day over Radio KVEP, that's K Voice of East Portland, 1500 AM. The radio station was originally started in 1927 by William Schaefer, who ran it in the customary way for several years and achieved a modest popularity with listeners. It shared time on the 1500 AM frequency with several other stations, so it had designated hours during which it was supposed to be off the air so that others could broadcast, which of course it did. Then came 1929 and the onset of the Great Depression, and suddenly KVEP was losing money for Schaefer. In desperation, he struck a deal to transfer control of the station and later ownership to the cat, the wildcat, Robert Gordon Duncan. Now, Duncan was a populist firebrand with what passed in the late 1920s for a very, very dirty mouth. His primary focus was on chain stores, outfits like Woolworths and Sears that would open a store in a local community and with the advantages of bulk buying power and economies of scale, run the local mom-and-pop operations out of biz. Duncan was running for the Republican nomination for Congress, and he had a little money at his disposal, and it seemed like a match made in heaven. It wasn't. Schaefer soon wished he'd never met Duncan. Once the contract was inked, Duncan pretty much took over and rebuffed any attempt by Schaefer to rein him in. And as 1929 blossomed into 1930, the voice of East Portland started drawing community attention like a slow-mo train wreck in progress. There were several factors that kept him tuning in. First off, the cat's vision of how an advocate should behave frequently crossed the line into outright protection racketeering. On the air, the wildcat demanded contributions from local merchants to help him fight the chain stores, and if the checks they sent in were too skimpy, he'd sometimes accuse them, over the air, of peddling bad merch or cheating their customers. Secondly, after Duncan lost the Republican primary to incumbent Frank Carell, his attacks on the congressman became even more vitriolic, and he could be counted on to light into the lawmaker in distinctly ungentlemanly tones at least once a day. Carell seemed baffled by this continued attention. Quote, Who is paying Duncan to continue these attacks on me now that the primary campaign is over? He wondered during one of the many judicial hearings that followed. Nobody, apparently. It seemed the wildcat was just on a tear, and one of his favorite topics was a rather frank speculation about Corell's sexual orientation. Quote, Corell is a bachelor, and when he was asked why he doesn't marry, he says, I don't care for women. 
the cat once thundered, according to the testimony of witnesses who heard the broadcast. Tragically, there are no recordings. Tape technology wasn't available in 1930. What do you know about that? Isn't that a strange statement for a natural man to make? It must be explained thoroughly and in ways that I can understand to free the man who says it from the charges of practicing the vices that caused the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Then, perhaps thinking that was putting it too subtly, he went on to claim that Carell had been the roommate and bedfellow of a man named Clarence Brazell, and urged all, quote, natural men to honor the women in their lives by voting for Carell's Democratic opponent in the fall. That Democratic opponent was, by the way, retired U.S. Army Major General Charles H. Martin, a future state governor and one of the most thoroughly awful people in state history. Possibly thanks to Duncan, he would go on to defeat Carell and be elected to Congress. A third attractant in the Wildcats broadcast was the entertainment value of good imaginative swearing. By modern standards, this was fairly tame. Quote, He's the son of a mother who scratched her ear with her hind foot. And, You undiapered kid. And, He's a convention grifter and a rum-soaked scamp. But it was peppered with hells and dams and occasionally lapsed into what many considered actual blasphemy. I can make a six-shooter sing come to Jesus! He roared into the mic one night just before the election he was about to lose. And I'm going to shoot the next crook that comes into my office to bully me. But although Duncan's daily broadcast was attracting eager listeners like a bare-knuckle boxing match, it was also making some big waves in the Portland business community. The chain stores, of course, loathed him with great cordiality, and the mom-and-pop operators understandably felt that a friend and advocate who regularly practiced extortion on them wasn't much of a friend and advocate. That left essentially nobody in the Wildcats' corner. And KVEP was making even bigger waves in the broadcasting community because the Wildcat had quit respecting the time division agreements with the other stations and was now just broadcasting his rants as long as he pleased. Radio KUJ Longview could just wait until he was done, thank you very much. Letters and telegrams from all these aggrieved groups, plus some VIPs whom the Wildcat had slandered on the air, started pouring into the Federal Radio Commission which, clearly shocked by the volume and fervor of the correspondence, got going in record time. At the resulting hearing, Portland Judge J.C. Kendall was serving as counsel for a remarkably vast and diverse array of civic organizations and prominent individuals, including the American Legion, the Chamber of Commerce, and a big bevy of church groups, all petitioning the FRC to shut KVEP down. Quote, There is a mad dog loose in the city of Portland! Kendall fulminated. For two hours every night we have had a persistent series of talks so utterly indecent that they offend every human sensibility. He then went on to demand that Schaefer be sanctioned as well because, quote, For the past three months he has had his hand on the faucet of this filth without attempting to turn it off. The FRC members were shocked by what they heard and moved to slam the door on KVEP in record time. Then they initiated prosecution against Duncan himself, taking him into federal custody. While Duncan was under arrest in the federal building, one young man, the son of deceased Oregonian editor Edgar Piper, tracked him down, burst in on him, and socked the 60-year-old wildcat in the teeth. It seemed Duncan had said some rather uncharitable things about the elder Piper on the air shortly after his death, when the newspaper man's corpse had barely cooled. A U.S. Marshal tried to intervene, Piper punched him, and a general melee broke out, which ended with the 1930s equivalent of a black stick beatdown for Mr. Piper, who was, of course, immediately then arrested. 
A sympathetic court subsequently fined the young man the modest sum of $50 for this crime to which he freely admitted. He had been, he said, overcome with fury at the criticism of his freshly dead father and determined to have his punch come what might. Quote, this young man would rather be a toad and feed upon the vapors of the dungeon than allow such procedure to go unpunished, his attorney explained, to the evident approval and sympathy of the entire court. It is fortunate that he was unarmed, or were it not so, this polecat would be lying today under six feet of earth. Duncan himself got no such sympathy on his day in court, and a short time later the Oregon Wildcat found himself convicted of indecent broadcasting and sentenced to a six-month term in the county jail. Duncan later tried to launch a magazine, but it went nowhere. Eventually he gave up on public life, and in the early 1940s historian Malcolm Clark found him running a nine-hole golf course near Troutdale. Quote, An inoffensive, frail, rather courtly gentleman who was old before his time, Clark recalls. Duncan died at the age of 73 in 1944. He had, as it were, clawed his way into the history of broadcasting textbooks with cutlass in one hand and pistol in the other, a 60-year-old political pirate from the crazy maverick state of Oregon. And whatever you might think of his sketchy practices as a broadcaster, you just have to respect that kind of chutzpah. Key sources in this story included works by Michael C. Keith, Robert L. Hilliard, Malcolm Clark, pdxradio.com, and various articles from the Portland Morning Oregonian, May to June 1930. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love, which is in turn a division of Pulp Lit Productions, a boutique publishing house that specializes in audiobook and regular book editions of stories from the classic pulp fiction era. Robert E. Howard, Algernon Blackwood, Edgar Rice Burroughs, and so on. More info can be found at pulp-lit.com. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license, type CC by SA International 4.0. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Got an idea for a show I should do, or just want to say hi, or maybe you're going to be in Corvallis sometime soon with time for a cup of coffee or a pint of Hammerhead. Drop me a line at fj at offbeatoregon.com. Fresh episodes of Offbeat Oregon History come your way at around 6 a.m. every weekday morning. So if you're looking for the next one, you haven't long to wait. Till then, go fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. (laughs) ¶¶